8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It is a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Overnight, Steeler great Franco Harris passing away at the age of 72. Immaculate reception, the 50th anniversary coming up on Saturday when the Steelers play host to the Raiders. Franco's number is going to be retired. And unfortunately, Franco Harris will will not be there to have Steeler fans embrace him once again. I, I just I'm with you. It's just why why did it take this long for them to retire his number? Right. Where if it was the Immaculate Reception and the anniversary of that, the significance of that was the the, the tie in. Then they could have done it the thirtieth and the fortieth for for Franco Harris. Yeah, they could have done it. A number of times, those teams are in the same conference. They were, yeah. They, they play every three years at least. Exactly. So, was it Franco getting to the Hall of Fame? Well, he was in the Hall of Fame in 1990. It's not like they were waiting for that to happen. That happened a long time ago. So, so they so, played so in '72. Obviously, they played in '77, the five-year anniversary. Franco was still playing. Yeah, at that point, you're days. not going to do anything. Right. They they didn't have the 20th because they didn't play in '92. Uh, they didn't have the 25th, didn't play in 97, but they played in 2002, 2012. So they've played on the 30th and the 40th and the 50th years. Now, it's this week, which is appropriate, but still, that seems like a very... Like, what if, by some measure, the NFL schedule never works out? Do you do this at all before he ultimately passes away? If you're the Steelers, like, well, it's the week of, and it's the 50th, so now's the right time. Are you for real? Like, you had to wait 40 years after he retired, 32 years after the NFL decided he was a Hall of Famer? I mean, dude's franchise is all-time leading rusher, wasn't he, at one point? Yes. Even If not still? When they announced it. He's still 15th all time. Yeah. Jerome Bettis passed him, but still. So here's, here's some of the comments of, of when it was announced that you know he was going to have his number retired. That, um, you know, the, the comment was made from Steelers president Art Rooney. It's a long overdue jersey retirement given Franco's remarkable contributions to the team of the decade. Many have said, and I agree, the Immaculate Reception was the turning point in franchise history. My grandfather was quoted once as saying, before Franco got here, we didn't win much. Since he got here, we don't lose. I think that sums it up pretty good. Franco's impact on the franchise would be hard to overstate. And Harris made the comment, it wasn't something top of, uh, uh, was that, it wasn't something top of mind that you think about. You just know that the Steelers don't retire numbers, so you don't have any thoughts about it. When they said it to me, I was blown away. It was such a wow moment. Because the only numbers that have been retired, Joe Green and Ernie Stotner. And so... Is it he as deserving as at least Joe Green? Joe Green? 
I would think so. So is this does this speak more to the Steelers' just reluctance to retire numbers? Well, and here's and, the thing: it's not like they have only officially retired three. I think there's eleven or twelve more that have not been reissued since right. the most famous player stopped playing. Like but, nobody else has worn twelve, but it's not officially retired. Right? And, come on, Rooney. Uh, it's long over. You're in charge. <laughs> and either the numbers are retired or they're not. Right. Right. In the, in the case of Terry Bradshaw, Jerome Bettis, I mean, Troy Palomalu. I mean, these are you know, the late Mike Webster, Mel, Mel Blunt. Blunt, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Heinz Ward. Who's very good. Yeah. He's great. That either you retire number, either they're retired or they're not. Right. If you're not going to reissue them, then retire them. Right. Like, how many more of those guys have to die before you're like, okay, you get your jersey retired? Like, are you going to retire Jerome Bettis' jersey in 40 years? Because, well, he was a Hall of Famer in 15, and we got to wait 32 years because we set a precedent with Franco Harris. It just yeah, it doesn't, doesn't long make any over sense. To, you're in charge of that. And you've only had two guys, Ernie Stodner who was with the Steelers for 14 years, nine-time Pro Bowler, all-pro defensive tackle, mm-hmm. uh, first number to ever be retired by the Steelers, you know, Pro Football Hall of Famer, 1969. In my memory, better known, because obviously I didn't see him play. I was too young. Longtime Cowboys assistant coach, Ernie Stotner. So Ernie Stotner stopped playing for the Steelers in 63. His jersey was retired October of 1964. <laughs> so Joe Green what? stopped playing in 81. His jersey was retired in 2014. Pretty long stretch, but yeah. but still sooner than than this. Come yeah. on. I mean, I just I don't want to long I, overdue. I don't want to belabor the point. I think we've we've probably kicked this around enough. Yeah. It just it's silly. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And now sadly Franco Harris is no longer with us, and he will not be there to enjoy being just the third guy yeah. ever in Steeler history to be, have his number retired. Like I know the for no re- for no really no specific reason, not not particularly good reason why. No, maybe maybe this will be the thing that makes the Steelers think a little bit about when they retire numbers and waiting around much longer for the Terry Bradshaws mm-hmm. and you know. I'm, and like we're anybody, like we don't know what's going to happen to anybody, right? Yeah. Regardless of their age. Are you going to wait around forever for Jerome Bettis, Troy Palomalu, a couple of greats to Mel Blunt? You know, that, that time has passed for Mike Webster, mm-hmm. who who died several years ago. Going on precedent that they've set for themselves, we have another 24 years to wait for Jerome Bettis. Lambert and Ham. 50 years from his rookie year. Two two guys that that to me Lambert in particular that that like Franco kind of are are when you think about the Steelers teams of the seventies you think of Jack Lambert with mm-hmm. the, the missing tooth and it's that scary look that that guy had on his face he was a great inside linebacker you're uh, not going to give twelve to anybody else either. Right? No, I mean, as much as I, I think Terry Bradshaw was more... He's the real, guy that was kind of riding the coattails the to Canton, yeah. That's no, kind of my thought about him, but, 
but he he's the quarterback that won four Super Bowls. And so he deserves that. He deserves that honor, whether I think Terry's all that great or not. It's probably you, not fair on my part. But you haven't reissued it since he retired he should, anyway. His number should be retired. If you're if you're not going to issue it to anybody, then just mm-hmm. retire the thing. That's like and saying, honor the player with that. You know, eh, we got we got another 15 years to wait for John Elway's jersey to be retired. It's like Dan Reeves in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's that's past. Mm-hmm. With with the death of Dan Reeves, I, I just think either either you think they're good enough, and they need to be it needs to be acknowledged. Or you don't think they're good enough. But everything screams. Like in the case of Dan Reeves, a lot of Broncos fans, Dan Reeves drove them crazy. Drove me crazy at times. But and he Dan got Re- in in 2014. But you know what I'm I mean? Sorry, but I'm sorry, yeah, Reeves, but he he was still, was was he still alive? I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he died this year. Okay, just this year. Okay, my apologies on... But, I, and that's me too. I got that wrong. But, you know, 2014... He took him to three Super Bowls in four years. That was still a rarity back then. The, why, you know, other than there was bad blood, mm-hmm. and is that the case where should put Ernest Miner in the Broncos Ring of Fame? Shut he up. helped too. I, in the case though of Franco Harris, was it mm-hmm. was it the bad blood at the end of his career? the contract they kept him out that made them go nap they cut him there was issues over his contract as howard referenced if you're holding on to that for 38 years if you're the steelers and that's why you refuse and that's ridiculous damn that's some bitterness that's bitterness that i kind of respect a little bit but still it's ridiculous the man should have been there a long 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 time Mm -hmm. ago long time ago and and sadly, like you said, now it's a situation where he's not going to be able to, to be there to enjoy what should have been an incredible moment for him, an incredible moment for his family. Yeah. That he will not be able to, to participate in that. So if you've got some thoughts on it today, 970-242-1340. I know he's going to catch a stray, but I'm looking at the Broncos ring of fame and... It was 32 years after his Hall of Fame enshrinement that Franco had his jersey retired by the Steelers. John Lynch spent 41 months as a Bronco, and he's in the ring of fame. I just, yeah, those moments right there, guys, is like, yeah, and I'm like, well, come John on, man. Lynch, great I, player, but great player, and I, but I'll still, still die on that hill. Great that Bronco, that no, he wasn't. Josie Jewell's wearing that number now, isn't he? Yo, yes, he is. Okay, Josie Jewell's Jewell wears number 47. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm saying you're right. I'm. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, I think I was the first one to talk about that. Yeah. Saying, How ridiculous is it that John Lynch is in the Ring of Fame? Yeah, he's not even in the Hall of Fame. And so, and I don't know if he'll ever go. I, I just, to me, it makes it makes no sense in, in some of this stuff. Uh, John Lynch is in the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. I'm. I'm having. We're not having a good day today. It was last year, though. So. Oh, okay. But at that time that he went in, yeah. he was not he was not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Was his bust wearing a Broncos I'm sorry. hat? My apologies, pile. No, I'm I'm totally with you though, and I said it at the time. It's like he was here for like 41 months. Like four really? year career does not get you in the Ring of Fame, right? 
It just doesn't. Uh, Larry from Clifton, the Steelers were waiting for the ESPN special. The, the 50 for 50 or whatever? <laughs> yeah. 30 for 30? Sure. All right. So, yeah. The Broncos get the Rams coming up on Christmas Day. Uh, yay. And What did we do? We were getting coal for Christmas? <laughs> barely, barely so. This sucks. But the, the good thing is this, okay, if you're a Broncos fan. Uh-huh. That no more than the end of the five game losing streak. There's only three games left. <laughs> There's only three games left. <laughs> and that offensively, they've started to put some things together. Be it let's let's be fair about this. Defense has helped them out in a big way, have they not? Yeah. With Justin uh, Simmons got what four picks in three games, six turnovers in the last two two football games, mm-hmm. and. And look, they, they got it ju- done with, with once again, a, a beat-up offensive line. And Luke Wattenberg, who, in his rookie campaign, has been thrown into the breach. Chiefs game got absolutely manhandled in the Chiefs yeah. game. And He's Graham Glasgow... really stopped the bleeding. Yeah. And Graham Glasgow, I guess, told Wattenberg during the game, hey, this is your first game that you ever started. That was your welcome to the NFL moment. Now you've got it over. You got it over with, and now you can learn from it and move on. It's only up from here. And so Wattenberg, once again, in Sunday's game against the Cardinals, mm-hmm. got thrown into the mix. You know, it was you know Reisner at yeah. left guard, then Tom Compton at right guard. You know that they you know they had the injuries there. But Wattenberg got his second opportunity. And it was like putting one square of toilet paper on an amputation. <laughs> but it was better. No, it was actually better. Wattenberg played played better. The Broncos had a huge day run of the football against a pretty decent Arizona Cardinals defensive front. It wasn't like they were the, the last ranked you know, run defense in the league. Didn't they give up seven sacks again, though? Seven yeah, or eight? They did, seven? but... but Hold with me here. Okay. All right. I'm working I'll, on positive. I'll let you finish. I know it's a one about a Wednesday, but I'm working on positives here. I'm working on the positive you part of You know me. This. I'm nothing if not positive okay. about the Broncos. <laughs> the, the Wattenberg played better. They ran the ball, obviously, uh, their best rushing game of the season, 130 yards for Latavius Murray. And Wattenberg made some strides. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's going to be an all-pro guard or anything like that. But that was part that's been part of the progress of the Broncos the last couple of football games. The offensive progress. Yes, there is the downside. Mm-hmm. That JJ Watt at times looked like JJ Watt year five and had a couple of sacks and dominated the Broncos at times in that game. But Denver found a way to 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 score three, you know, touchdowns in the second half. To get the victory on Sunday and get that 24 to 15 win. And they've scored a combined five second half touchdowns, tied for the second highest total in the league over the past two weeks. So the offense, which has been non existent in second half of football games, yeah. last two weeks against the Chiefs, the Cardinals, it's been there for Denver. They had one third quarter touchdown going into December. They now have three. That's getting better. There are there are some positives to take. They had 14 offensive touchdowns through the until December. They've had seven in the last 10 days. 
and they haven't played for three of those days since this last Sunday. So things are getting a little better, but it's still when the only direction to go for like a Luke Wattenberg is to get better because you yeah. can't get much worse. Yeah. Then I'm glad he's actually getting better because if he didn't get any better from where he was, that's it shows that George Payton made a hell of a mistake drafting that guy. Yeah, that's a big whiff. So, Broncos and Rams, which is not this game is not what we thought it would be. We didn't expect these two teams to be 14 and 10. We didn't expect it to be Russell Wilson against Baker Mayfield. We didn't expect that matchup. And so Denver comes in with the 27th ranked offense. Rams are saying, hold my beer. They're the 32nd ranked offense in total offense in the league. And the Broncos were there for a nice long stretch this season. They're 30th in rushing, 25th in passing. Denver's 5th in total defense. The Rams are 13th in total defense. So, yeah, Denver, by the way, a a 2.5-point favorite at SoFi on Sunday. You get three for being at home. Yeah. The Broncos are favored by Vegas essentially six points. A touchdown? Yes. Yes, they are, sir. Wow. Yes, they are. The Rams must really suck. They really suck. All right. So Broncos and the Rams on Sunday, Christmas Day, pregame at noon, kickoff at 2.30. A couple of other things want to get to. Uh, YouTube, they won the bidding battle for a Sunday ticket. Yeah, they did. $2.5 billion per year. YouTube TV is going to have Sunday ticket. And cost will be essentially the same as it was on DirecTV. But now, obviously, you don't need DirecTV. Here's my question about Sunday ticket. With the, in, the invention of Red Zone, mm-hmm. do you really care? No. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I... You, I get 20 it. Twenty years ago, yep, absolutely was a must-have. Now you're you're okay with watching other games, right? If you if your team is not mm-hmm. going to be on local TV, like if you're not a Broncos fan, you're a right. Browns fan. I mean, you you deal with this. You're okay with that, right? I mean, are you? I mean, have you learned those fans of other teams? You've kind of learned to go. Okay, mm-hmm. cost is a lot less. Yeah, maybe I'm watching some games I don't care about for a few minutes. But for the most part, I'm getting to watch the important stuff of my football team on a Sunday. Yeah, and you don't have to, for me at least as a Browns fan, you don't have to see the bad play for the other two hours and 45 minutes, right? You get to watch the actual good play or see the main letdowns when the other team scores. Right. You don't have to watch all the bad stuff, right? You don't have to sit through two hours of a field goal kicking contest. No. But they usually get to the stuff that's the good stuff. They stay yeah. on the games, that which the only downside is if your team's in kind of a slog of a game, then you you're don't not going to see a whole lot of it. See a whole lot, but you're not going to miss a whole lot either. Exactly. If it's nine six, I'm yeah. not getting those three hours back. Right. I don't need to watch that. Yeah, I, I just think if if you're a football fan anymore and you're watching football, boy, it's a lot of money being invested by YouTube. Mm-hmm. For something, I don't think the value is what it was 15 years ago. Even 10 years ago. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Red Zone has really chipped away at a lot of that market. Absolutely. All right, 820. 
We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, it's, of course, a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. You got something you want to complain about? Please get it to us today on the Chick fil A Breakfast Team phone line, 970 242 1340. Well, why don't you cry about it? All right, coming up next, we'll talk Broncos with Mile High Sports Radio's Cody Rourke. That's next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Best wishes for a happy holiday season from the Team Sports Network. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports and Mile High Sports Radio, Cody Rourke. Cody, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your better half. Merry Christmas, my friend. I hope uh, hope this holiday season is treating you well. We're going to be bracing for some really cold weather this week, so I hope everybody's staying safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Keep bundled up and, and drive safe if you're heading somewhere for the holidays. Uh, the, the death of Franco Harris, I, I know that uh, you're, you're a lot younger than I am and probably, you know, certainly don't remember Franco Harris playing, Cody, but uh, certainly you know the reputation, you know what uh, Franco Harris meant to that uh, Steeler organization. Yeah, I mean, the Immaculate Reception is one of the greatest moments in NFL history. I think this is probably one of the hard parts, I think, in general about, you know, growing up, you know, probably for you, more so watching him when you were younger, just being able to see, you know, people you've watched, you know, as they go, unfortunately, with age, they pass away, and we remember the impact that they had, and, you know, Franco Harris was very well loved within the Steelers organization, Terry Bradshaw was talking about it this morning on Good Morning Football, he's just a humble giant, Uh, just kind of stinks, though, when you see uh, some of these greats pass away. Getting back to the beginning of the Broncos, uh, last two games, we've certainly seen the offense start to turn it around. And I think the defense obviously has played a big role in that. Six turnovers the last two games against Kansas City and also the, the win against the Arizona Cardinals. But the commitment to the run game, I think, has been something that needs to be talked about more because there, there does seem to be this commitment to the run game. We saw that in Sunday's win against the Cardinals. Latavius Murray, fantastic game, 130 yards, first ever a game ball for Latavius Murray in his career. At the commitment to the running attack the last two weeks, along with that defense setting up this offense, has proved to be very, very fruitful in the second half of football games. Yeah, you know, and especially considering the first half was, uh, Jim, once again, the first half for Denver was rough. We were in the press box, we're saying at halftime when we were trying to get, you know, they give us pretzels, hot dogs, uh, bratwurst, things like that. We're, I was talking with Andrew Mason. I was like, man, thank goodness Russell Wilson didn't play in today's game in the first half because Brett Rippon was sacked six times, hit eight times in the first half. That's simply not what you want to have happen. Uh, but the emphasis was, okay, you know, you're down 9-3. If you can generate some momentum and, you know, get a score, it plays in your head. Denver did just that, but... Really, the run game, as you mentioned, Jim, that was uh, that was something that they built on, and I was we haven't seen that this year. This was the highest output on the on the ground since uh, week two, where they had 142 yards on the ground total. They had over 170. And I think the combination between Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack, I, I like it. I, I think that's a very good dynamic duel between these two guys. Brett Ripon, I thought, commanded the offense really well. Um, but, yeah, the commitment to getting the run game going is important because, Jim, I think we've seen that the Broncos have been so pass-heavy this season. They've been unable to get the run game going. It has been easier for defenses, opposing defenses, to really emphasize the game plan. To just, okay, if we can limit Russell Wilson, we're all good. We'll win this game. And that's really what we've seen with the Broncos offense 
throughout this season. The last two weeks have been a step in the right direction. Wasn't this what it was supposed to be, though, with the zone running, rushing attack, with with the, the run kind of setting up the pass for Russ and Waggles and Boots and things like that? It just seems like this is what it was supposed to be, where Russ would feed off the rushing attack. And you're right, it, and it seemed to be completely opposite. It was throw the football over the place, the running, the, the rushing attack was very secondary in, in, in terms of the offensive approach. And it seems like this is where it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to work for this team to be effective on the offensive side. Yeah, I think that was the emphasis that we had all imagined, you know, uh, earlier on in the season, in the offseason, training camp. And it just it simply was never that. Denver came out so pass-heavy week one against the Seahawks. That really bit, that became their identity. Same thing against Houston Texans in week two. and. You know, we saw you can't run the ball against the 49ers in week three. And so Denver really just kind of has had stretches. They've had, you know, I'd say like multiple times a season where they've gone away from the run. They've simply given up on it. And I just think that is, it's not what you want. It's not ideal. It's not sustainable, right? Because we see the NFL try to be so pass happy. You know, the reality of the situation is the really good football teams, Jim, when you look at it, the ones who are really good, like San Francisco, they have a run game. They have strong defense. They have a strong run game. And it allows them to capitalize on finding balance offensively. And I, I think this is something Denver could build on. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, Jim. Watching the team the last couple of weeks, you know, that late second quarter against KC through on uh, and this past week, I have legitimate belief that Denver can go to L.A. this weekend and beat the Los Angeles Rams. I, watching the Rams and watching the Broncos, I don't see why they can't do it. Yeah, Broncos now a two and a half point favorite in that game on Christmas Day at SoFi. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? It's essentially we're talking. It's like a, they're a five five and a half point favorite, really. When you think about you know what three points normally you know goes to the home team as a favorite. I mean, the Broncos being a two and a half point favorite on the road, it's almost like the Broncos are close to being a touchdown favorite in that game. And who would have who would have thought that the way things have been going uh, for for two football teams for the Rams and the Broncos, Cody that. You know, nobody expected either one of these teams to be four and ten. Nobody thought it'd be Russell Wilson against Baker Mayfield uh, on on Christmas Day. We thought, you know, certainly how this has played out has been uh, dramatically different than what our expectations were to start out this football season. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we thought this was going to be a premier matchup between Matthew Stafford and uh, you know Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, these two guys have been banged up dealing with injuries this year. Um, and ideally, you know, we, I think we all wish that this season would have played out differently for Denver because, I mean, the games that we've just seen, you know, I, ideally on, you know, in a perfect world, you would have had Russell Wilson playing and finishing out the game against the Chiefs, not getting hurt. You would have had Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray last week. Um, it just, that's just the nature of the NFL. It's a very, very physical sport. We all know that. Um, and hopefully, you know, like I said, Denver still has a lot to play for. Right? While they can't play for something to extend their season, you know, I think you want to build on things. You want to see what you can do well. You want to get a look at some young guys, which Denver's getting a look at plenty of guys in these situations, especially with Draymond Jones out on the defensive line. But I also think more importantly, I mean, Jim, that, uh, the, the last game of the regular season against the Los Angeles Chargers, they're fighting for a wild card spot. How cool would it be? How nice would it be? If the Broncos played spoils to the Chargers' playoff hopes in the last game of the season, I think that is so important. And you know what? I think Denver's got a chance to do it. That'd be nice because it could change the, the landscape of the AFC West. Molly Sports Radio's Cody Rourke with us today on the Team Sports Network. Considering 
the turnaround offensively for the Broncos the last two weeks. Do you now see more of a path for Nathaniel Hackett to be the coach of this team in 2023? Because I'm getting that I'm getting that gnawing feeling that I had with Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, when everybody's like, they're going to get fired, they're going to get fired, and they don't get fired. I'm starting to get that feeling again a little bit. Or in your, in your opinion, is it done? He's not coming back. There's no way it's going to happen. Or because of this resurgence... And also the NFL, you know, kind of laying down the, the law about teams and how much money they've spent on coaches and how much money they're they're paying guys that they fire. Could this prompt the, the Walton Penner group to kind of go, yeah, let's run it back with him for one more year. We're seeing some things better. Say they, they go out and they win maybe two out of these last three football games and you know, and they and they find a way to, you know, to you know, to to finish the season fairly strong. Is there now a path with the way things are trending at the moment? for Hackett to return in 2023? You know, I think that the timing of the NFL releasing that information is very interesting. Um, part of me believes, you know, here's the deal. I think a lot of people are like, okay, has Nathaniel Hackett lost the locker room? No. Like, these guys battle. They love Nathaniel Hackett. Talking to guys post-game, you know, in the locker room each week, they, they love Nathaniel Hackett. You know, the, the results have not played out how anybody has hoped for. But, you know, the fact that he is now in this position where, you know, he's not controlling the offense. He's the head coach. And Clint Kubiak, it's in the last couple of weeks, they've, they've been doing some things to get the offense, I think, heading in the right direction. Granted, I am not. I haven't been very happy with some of the personnel decisions on the offensive line. I have no idea why it made sense to bench Calvin Anderson and put Cam Flynn in the left tackle, but that's just a Butch Berry issue, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that there is some chance now that he could stay on. I know Bronco, a lot of Broncos fans don't want that to happen. Uh, but the organization really likes Nathaniel Hackett. But and another thing that, that nobody's talking about, Greg Penner, he goes around the locker room. He talks to players one-on-one. He talks to coaches one-on-one. And he kind of gets a vibe for things. And I think that's very, very useful information for him because he's ultimately the guy that's trying to implement a lot of strategies to change how things have gone for the Broncos. So um, I think there is a chance and a possibility that Hackett stays on, but it's just so hard to say right now considering how massive of a letdown the season has been due to the expectations uh, and the fact that this ownership group did not hire Nathaniel Hackett. So I think while it's a possibility, I think there's still a good chance that they move on from him. How much does the 18,000 no-shows on Sunday influence their decision? Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think it's much because the same thing happened in 2019. There was 19,000 no-shows in the Broncos home game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I think when you look at some of the factors, right, obviously it's, it's two teams that, you know, you had a 3-10 and 10 team versus a 4-9 and nine team at the point. Uh, you know, you didn't have no Russell Wilson, no Kyler Murray, you know, so I think that was a, a big part of it as well. I think that they're looking at that, um, but ultimately, I don't think that's going to matter as much about their decision that they make. Well, I Sports Radio's Cody Rourke with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Cortland Sutton continues to work through the, the hamstring issue. Do you think we'll see him Sunday? Um, you know, I think there's a good chance. Obviously, you know, I'm going to head out to practice here this afternoon at the UCL Training Center. We'll see if he does uh, any light work limited, because I know last week, you know, he was working on the side field with Chase Edmonds. Um, I do think that there is a chance Colton does return, but as we all know, hamstrings, they are tricky, and they, they definitely impact everybody differently. Um, we'll see. I think that there is a chance, though. 
All right, a couple of things we want to get to uh, to wrap it up here. Ronnie Hillman in hospice, uh, reported by uh, Derek Wolf and Orlando Franklin, two of his former teammates that work for the fan. Um, just really hate to hear that. Ronnie Hillman's 31, he's battling pneumonia. Of course, he's been battling liver cancer. And uh, but just hate, hate to hear that because he had such an impact, maybe not so much in the Super Bowl, but during the regular season when the Broncos won Super Bowl 50, Cody, hate to hear that for a guy that's, that's only 31, that uh, his, uh, his, his life certainly uh, is in the balance right now as he goes through hospice. Yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate news to hear. I mean, it's been, you know, for for exa- you know, example, like last year, Denver lost Demarius Thomas, and it's like these guys are 33 years old, 31 years old right now. Like, that's just, it, it's not normal. It's not normal to hear things like that. You know, this is the first I heard of, um, obviously yesterday when everything got reported, it was the first I ever heard about, you know, Ronnie Hillman battling liver cancer. You know, 31 years young and, you know, has has had a pretty good career. Has had some pretty good moments in his career in the National Football League. And on top of that, dealing with pneumonia, that's tough to deal with. And, and you know, unfortunately, you know, I hope he pulls through because it's just we're seeing so many young people pass away way too early uh, than they should. And I just think it's just an unfortunate thing. I'll always remember how electric Ronnie was. Like, gosh, he was fast. He had so much speed. Like, he wasn't the biggest running back. He was undersized, but man, he was a blur. He and C.J. Anderson. They really complemented each other really well. That kind of one-two punch in that Super Bowl Fifty season. I, you know, I remember the Green Bay game. You know, Peyton Manning versus Aaron Rodgers when the Broncos defense flustered Rodgers for the first time really in his career. People made Aaron Rodgers look crazy, and I just remember Ronnie Hillman breaking off a couple of big runs. He had a touchdown run. CJ had a touchdown run. Like they were a fun duo to watch. And obviously, our thoughts and our well wishes are with Ronnie and his family at this time. And I hope he does pull through. All right, your Christmas wish for the Broncos would be what? Uh, let's get a, you know, have them get another win. Put Cole in the stockings of the L.A. Rams. I don't know if Aaron Donald is going to be playing in this game. I know he's been banged up and injured. Uh, but you know what? You, Broncos, fans, Broncos fans need a win. They need that. And I said, it, I said it last week. I said, you know, this second half has been fun to watch. Broncos fans needed this. Um, and so, yeah, I, yeah, Christmas wish list. A Broncos win on the road in Los Angeles. That would be nice. And also, you know, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm asking for protection from my offensive line. <laughs> yes, absolutely. After you had to watch uh, Brett Rippon get sacked, what, seven times in that game uh, last Sunday. Are, are you going to L.A. for the game? I'm not. I'm actually coming to Grand Junction on Friday. So All right. I, I decided, you know, it would be different if they were winning. It's like, you know, that was my thought process on it. Like, it's Christmas Day. They're not. There's nothing for them to essentially play for, so I'm just going to spend it with family. So, well, very good. Well, have a safe drive over here, and have a very merry Christmas, my friend. Always good to talk with you. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate you guys. Go Tigers! All right, there he is, Cody Rourke, Mile High Sports Radio. Read his work at Mile High Sports uh, website as well. All right, eight thirty-eight. Jim, along with uh, the Buckeye Boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Some thoughts on the passing of Franco Harris today. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Alex, how far, uh, how about, about put, basically putting Jerry Rice in the Broncos ring of fame yeah. since John Lynch made it? Okay, in fairness to Lynch, he did play four years. He did actually play in, in games. Mm-hmm. Jerry didn't even get out of training camp. So, yeah. But I remember how, the excitement, oh, Jerry Rice can play for the Broncos. Right. Jerry Where's Rice. He? Put in Simeon Rice. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, sure. uh, John Lynch 
teammate. Yeah. Twice but over. There, there you go. Yeah. All right, 839. We'll take a break. We'll come back. On the other side, we'll talk some avalanche hockey with the radio voice of the avalanche, Connor McGahey, Avs in Montreal. Tonight on the team at 530. We'll get into that next right here on the Jim Davis Show on the team sports network. All right, Dad, let's go. Shen is delivering a sleigh full of TDs, dunks, and slap shots this month on the team. Talking Avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahey, on the team. And joining us right now, Chick fil A Breakfast Team phone line, the radio voice of the Avalanche, Connor McGahey. Con, how you doing, man? Good morning, Jimmy. It's uh, from the Conmobile this morning. Ah, the Con truck. The Con truck on the move this morning. On the move, yep. The uh, with the early start, earlier start tonight, I suppose. Uh, morning skate is a little bit earlier, so that's that's where we're at today. Mobile radio studio. Here we go. All right. Well, we'll drive safe while we're doing this. Okay. Make sure we don't want I... any accidents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get out of the way! Hey, come on! <laughs> but, oh, yeah, just boy. don't. I just don't. You know, don't tell them they're number one. You know, with that middle finger, and then have yeah, some kind no. of altercation. That'd be really bad. That'd be. It would not oh. be good. Ten and two. Don't you worry about it. We're fine. We're fine. Safety first. Just uh, like back in driver's ed. Safety first. That's right. Safety first, people. Exactly. Um, Gail McCarr. I, I just think that, that was such a Kale McCarr thing the other night. With that, <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He didn't trip me. No, I. And, and he's like, I'm not sure why I did that. I think most guys would get a lot of grief, but I think was it? Did they ask Evan Rodriguez if they're going to give him grief? And they're like, Well, no, he's Kale McCarr. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything to that guy about that. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty good. And it just, you know, like he. I just think that I like what Bednar. He just, you know, he had kind of a chuckle and like, yeah, that's, that's just Kale. That's he wants to win it fairly and didn't think that the penalty should have been called. Well, and in the in the moment, I didn't even put that as anything in the realm of possibilities for an option to happen. So I just thought that the referees talked about it and said that, no, that, wait, we decided that's not a penalty. And I said, well, that's weird. And then I couldn't I couldn't hear what Brandon Blantina, the referee, said. He said the penalty's declined. And I said, I, no, 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 the NFL was yesterday. Like, you can't decline a penalty? Like, what is that? So everybody in the press box was talking about it afterwards, and they said, what the heck just happened? Like, what was that? And then they pulled up the video, and the replay from Altitude showed that uh, Kale looked back, and Blandina's arm was in the air, and he, he and he waved him off. And then, I mean, the Internet amazes me. Like, they went back to, to find a game in which Alexander Ovechkin did the same thing uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. He declined the penalty. He said, nope, no, I just... I just lost an edge. That wasn't a trip. So, um, I, to me, it's not all about penalty minutes. The Lady Bing Trophy should go immediately to Kale McCarr. Voting, <laughs> voting has closed. <laughs> the, yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate gentleman, the ultimate sportsman, yeah. with uh, Kale McCarr saying, "No, no, it wasn't a penalty." But uh, Avs get the shootout win. The return of Evan Rodriguez, who came up with that goal in the shootout, that that's been important yeah. for the Avalanche uh, getting Evan Rodriguez back. Oh goodness me! Yes, I mean, and uh, there's there's a a bunch of people before the season began that said Rodriguez. I mean, he's better, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess we need some bodies, and I mean, goodness, he's he's as smart as it comes. And the fact that 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 move that he's done twice now, he did it on Shosturkin versus the Rangers, 
and Sorokin versus the New York Islanders uh, is, is amazing. And it's not just the move in the shootout. I mean, he's he's come back and, and pretty much jumped right into the fray. I mean, you're talking about almost, I mean, it's been Miko Rantanen and JT Comfort leading abs forwards in ice time, but then right there is Evan Rodriguez. And you've needed him to, to shoulder a little bit of a load, and he's he's been magnificent. I, I when, he, when he was, it looked like it was going to be a long-term injury because you don't know with knees and, and any lower body, to be honest. So the fact that it was... It was more on the optimistic side. was was good for everybody involved, and he he has been a difference maker every single night for the Avs. And you mentioned Connor that uh, that Evan got the the shootout goal against uh, Sorkin, and that was a good, an incredible goalie matchup where Alexander Georgiev just was you know, was brilliant once again. Twenty six saves to get his second shutout of the season, tenth of his career. Yeah, and in his uh, 150th NHL game as well, nice little milestone for Alexander Georgiev. But uh, that that's two now. I mean, and two goaltenders that he's very familiar with. Obviously, teammates with Shesterkin, and the New York Islanders and Rangers play each other every other night. Um, they're playing tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Um, so there's a lot of familiarity there, and I think that that's you. You always try and look at psychology of a player, like what motivates the guy. What when do players play their best? Where do they play their best? And it seems that Georgiev almost likes the challenge. And looking across the ice and and having a familiar face to, to battle against, because some of his best games uh, have come against the best goaltenders. Uh, and so that's why it was it was even more impressive that the Avs have a, a season high in shot attempts and, and one shy of a shot on goal for a, for a season high for them. But at the other end, I mean, the Islanders have some good chances, and Georgiev plays simple. He plays well, and he was uh, he was just uh, one save better in the shootout. The good him in the shootout, he just he outweighs everybody. He's so patient; he doesn't bite on anything, and he almost makes the shooter makes make the mistake. I mean, that's what happened on two of those three attempts from the Islanders. Is that Georgiev didn't have to do anything, but the 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 shooter felt like he had to do all the work. So. That's where the the mental game of it uh, comes into play. We saw that even in the World Cup with uh, with Martinez uh, for Argentina the other uh, afternoon as well. So, uh, but Georgiev well deserved second shutout of the season for the Avs. Avs radio voice Connor Gahey with us today on the team. Connor have the call on the team or at, uh, on the team tonight when uh, the Avalanche take on Montreal pregame at five thirty for that one on the team. And a couple of uh, things to get to. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was on the ice yesterday. Uh, going through some individual workouts, so his progress, his timeline, at least according to Jared Bednar, is still you know we're still maybe about seven games out for for his return. Uh, also, uh, Dennis Malkin, who uh, they picked up in the trade with Toronto, kind of caught up in the immigration thing right now, has yet to practice with the Avalanche. With, with Malkin, what is what does he bring to this team in, in that trade that they made with Dryden Hunt, sending him to Toronto? Yeah, and I, I asked a couple people the, the same question. Um, uh, Katie Goss, who, who used to work for the Florida Panthers, uh, Malgan played in Florida when she was there, altitude reporter. And we were talking to a couple other scouts and, and, and some other personnel. And, and basically the deal is is that it, it's, it's the type of player that each organization needs. Um, basically the video was being circulated for Toronto fans where – Dryden Hunt hit, hit Posternock, and then Nosek wanted to pick a fight, and then Dryden Hunt dropped Nosek to the ice in four punches. 
that's the type of game that Toronto needs right now, and the Avalanche need a little bit more skill with within their forward group. Um, Hunt at one point, I mean, you look at he played for Moose Jaw, and he was 59 goals, 59 assists, that type player, but it doesn't always translate into the National Hockey League. So the Avalanche looking for a, a scoring touch, and that is that is Mulgan. He's he's not the biggest guy, but he's smart, good offensively, and uh, and I think that he, he's learned some lessons for the past where he can fit into the system, and he is... He'll be the second Swiss skater that the Avalanche have had. Sven Andrigetto was the first, fourth Swiss player overall. And that's part of the reason that the immigration is a problem, because you get traded from a Canadian team and you're a foreign player. That makes it a lot more difficult in comparison to being a Canadian team uh, with a Canadian player or an American with uh, American team with the same uh the same visa rules and regulations. So um, not sure how long it's going to be, but I think he, he brings a little bit more skill, a little bit more scoring touch for the Avs when he does make the lineup. Connor McGahee, voice of the Avalanche, with us today on the Team Sports Network. It's Montreal tonight. Montreal's on a seven-game road trip. Uh, they got the overtime win against Arizona uh, the other night. And Colorado at home since 95 against Montreal, 13-2-1. So great success. You know, at uh, you know whether it's been McNichols, Pepsi, or or Ball Arena back in the day, uh, Nick Suzuki leads them in scoring with 31 points. It's a Montreal team. It's about 15 and 15 right now, uh, heading into that game tonight. Yeah, and I mean they've been on a roller coaster the past couple of years. Remember, uh, they go to the Stanley Cup final two years ago versus Tampa. Then they are the worst team with the best odds to get the number one overall pick last year. Uh, where they select Uri Slavkovsky. That'll be fun to say a bunch of times tonight. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but uh, Montreal has the worst power play in the National Hockey League, but they have Cole Caulfield. And Caulfield under Martin Saint-Louis has, has been an absolute sniper and has advertised out of, uh, out of Wisconsin. When Dominic Ducharme was the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Cole Caulfield, who was selected one spot ahead of Alex Newhook in the draft, uh, only had one goal, I believe. And for whatever reason, Ducharme and Caulfield didn't line up, but Martin Saint-Louis has set Caulfield free, and between him and Nick Suzuki, who are best friends, I mean, it's, uh, it's turned out to almost be, be a joke that they go and do everything everywhere together. They show up to the rink at the same time, have, have coffee. That, that relationship will benefit uh, the Canadians going forward for a long time with Nick Suzuki being the youngest Canadian captain in uh, in their history at 23 years old, but those are two of the pieces that uh, that will drive them forward. And uh, they've alternated goaltenders, Sam Montembeau going versus the Coyotes getting the win. So um, I would assume it's going to be Jake Allen uh, for the Canadians, and he's played very well versus the Avs in his career, all but one coming with the St. Louis Blues. But but. Uh, 500 is, is about about right for the Montreal Canadiens as uh, as they're just still trying to build for the future a little bit, I think. 5.30 for that one tonight. Connor will have it right here on the team. Sports Network, the Avalanche against Montreal. So, Connor, going to ask you this before, uh, before we wrap things up here. Your favorite sports Christmas gift you've received over the years? What would it be? Oh, goodness me. Um, good question. It, it's it's funny because our family really doesn't like we don't do a whole lot of gifts 
um, because everyone just has enough stuff, you know. Right. But I think I think that sports related. I mean, I got to go. I got to set the wayback machine for a long time ago here with Sherman and Peabody. Um, <laughs> That's good. I would probably I would probably say that. In oh, maybe '97, we, my brother and I, got uh, together a, a team signed Avs jersey, um, along with an air hockey table. And oh, that's sweet! I think I think the air hockey table was was probably yeah, that was the crown jewel. The air hockey table in the basement was fantastic. We loved we loved that thing. That this is. This is eons ago, but yeah, I would I would probably say those are the two with the air hockey table being the uh, being the winner. Yeah, I think for for me, I had the Mattel handheld electronic football game and basketball game where you could pick the I, defense, you know, whether it's zone or man. Yep, and had Love that it. had the electric football game. This is going way back. I had Broncos <laughs> Seahawks. The yeah. vibrating, I'm yes, yeah, I'm an old man. The vibrating electric football game that I I still hey, have somewhere. When the Seahawks are in the AFC West, yeah, you know? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah, you know, it was ancient history. Yeah, and we we also, I mean, we got a foosball table, and oh, yeah. it, it was um, some Kmart, if I remember correctly. Not to try to crack on their uh, their the quality of their products, but you, uh, my brothers and I, we would you know sometimes we'd spin. You know, you're not supposed to spin, but. Um, we kept knocking the heads off the off the the players, <laughs> and half our guys like their their heads were all gone. They're all decapitated. Yeah. it was uh, it was pretty gruesome, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. That's with what that you get for breaking team. the rules, Jimmy. I know, I yeah. know. Our, you, you lose your head if you break the rules, or at least that <laughs> your foosball guy loses his head anyway. Hey, Connor, have well, a, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the late edition is I I I love playing cricket and darts and. Uh, the dartboard is up at the house now, so that uh, that's got to be that's got to get honorable mention now for a nice game of cricket with a, with a solid dartboard. Oh, that's very good. I like that. Well, hopefully, you get a chance to play a little bit during the holidays and have a great call tonight. By the way, Merry Christmas. We always appreciate it, Connor. Thanks, man. It is my pleasure. Merry Christmas to, to you, Jimmy, to everyone there, and to everyone listening. Uh, I hope it's a great weekend, and uh, and thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Take care. Drive safe, Connor. Yeah. All right, Connor McGee in the Conmobile today. Yeah, on the road, on the move. Your foosball table <laughs> reminded me. My parents got me one of those mini air hockey slash pool table type deals from Kmart back in the day. Yeah, that was kind of fun. I just I completely forgot about it. Yeah, but we just yeah we we just spin it and yeah. you'd, you'd hit a shot and you'd bust a guy's head off because we we cheated we weren't supposed to be spending and then then we finally started playing by the rules and their their heads were saved at yeah. least the, the remaining ones you imagine are, how much of a dive those players would do if it were real <laughs> it's like oh my dog <laughs> oh my my head it's gone yeah. uh, in that case we would it'd be okay if they flopped right like oh, that's pretty yeah, understandable probably. he just got decapitated but you know there'd be some nfl fans uh, who'd be like uh, soft they're still soft soft Ronnie Lott would have got decapitated, and he would have just got back up and made the play. He would have just cut it off and made the play. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Hour three, coming up next with the voice of the CSU Rams, Brian Roth on the Jim Davis Show on the team, Sports Network.